Hi, everyone. Welcome. It is 2 p.m. This is Japan, so we are going to start on time. <laughs> My name is George Armin Walsh, and this is SDG Seminar for January 27th, 2022. I hope you're having a great year so far. Uh, just to give you a bit of orientation about this, how this seminar is going to work. I am working, collaborating with Keiko Kurisumangam, who will be writing the translations in the chat box. So if you would like to see what I'm talking about in Japanese, there's Keiko. Just raise your hand. Keiko, say hello, ha, everyone. Wait a second. <laughs> hello, can you see? Yeah. Thank you. So Keiko <laughs> will be writing the Japanese in the chat box and I will be speaking in English. Feel free to write any questions or comments in English or Japanese. This is a very bilingual session. Thanks so much to Keiko for collaborating with me. All right, let's start. Uh, so I'd like to introduce myself. Um, I am often on YouTube and social media, but I rarely talk about myself, so it's probably a good idea. I grew up in Hawaii, and I developed a really deep love of nature, the beaches, the oceans, the mountains, and the value of history and heritage of the indigenous people, the Hawaiian culture, the Hawaiian way of farming, um, it's, it's value was not lost on me. Even as a child, I learned how to do hula, but I also learned in Hawaii about Japanese culture. I learned how to do bon odori in my elementary school and I was eating Japanese food. I was, I felt like I was very familiar with Japan, even as a child, even though I'd never visited. I went to university for my undergraduate degree in Los Angeles, studied psychology. And in Los Angeles, it was less pristine than Hawaii, um, but I learned about the importance of big city management, uh, air pollution, traffic congestion, the problems you have when you don't have good public transport, and uh, we had some pollution at that time, which I think they have worked on since. But when I was living there, there were days you couldn't go out and exercise. It was that bad at that time. Uh, also during university, I spent eight months living in Oslo, Norway. And when I was there in Scandinavia, I learned about good healthcare, good education and urban planning. And uh, we even visited the prisons and learned about rehabilitation of the prison population. There were so many things I'd never thought of as an American before I went to live in Scandinavia. Um, my her first home in Japan was uh, in Oita, in Kyushu, uh, in Beppu, <laughs> right next to Beppu, where I spent a lot of time. Uh, there's Beppu Tower right there. And uh, I learned a lot and saw a lot of parallels to Waikiki and growing up in Hawaii and how you need to balance the needs of local people with visitors. And Beppu is, of course, one of the biggest uh, tourism destinations in Japan for its hot springs and hot sand. 
if you haven't been. I traveled after I was a JET for three years in Oita. I traveled around uh, Japan during those three years. So I saw most of Japan. But then after the JET program, I traveled around Asia for two years and a little bit of Europe. And we saw India, Nepal, Thailand, and spent a lot of time in China as well. So it was a really interesting comparison with life in Japan and things that we value in different parts of Asia and, of course, different cultures as well. I moved to Hiroshima in 1996. And once again, saw the need to balance the needs of local people with visitors. Hiroshima was a much more international destination than Oita or Beppu was. And there's also the added element of uh, balancing the needs of local people in terms of peace and history and dark tourism um, and maintaining traditional places like it's Kushima and Miyajima Island. Uh, it was once I had children that I began really thinking about uh, healthy food, healthy lifestyle, and putting a lot of these ideas together about sustainability and making better choices when they were available. And I worked in university uh, for 21 years at a women's university here, teaching business and culture and sustainability and travel in my seminar uh, in English as content courses. I was in the business department for many years. And then in 2019, I launched my own business, Inbound Ambassador, to try to support local businesses to better communicate how they were being more sustainable than business as usual or above the status quo. I saw a lot of potential, but I saw the gap between what they were doing and what they were communicating to the customer. So I was working with travel industry and guides and doing training and then COVID hit and no more face-to-face -face interaction. So I went online and I started seek Seeking Sustainability Live, which I just changed the name this year to Seek Sustainable Japan. And I just finished the 341st interview uh, with people across Japan. It's incredible to me that I've been able to find so many people to keep saying yes <laughs> and uh, sharing their insights and their deep understanding of Japan. Uh, there are many people in the series who have lived in Japan for many years, invested a lot of time, energy, and money in developing their passion and their projects and their businesses. So it's so wonderful to find them and help them to share their stories. Here's just a collection of some of the interviews uh, that I've done this month and coming up soon. So a real variety of people with different backgrounds. And sometimes I interview people in other countries. So for example, I talked to Dr. Wes Robinson. He's based in Australia, but his focus on Japanese language use creatively is a very interesting insight that you don't often hear. So it was great to have his perspective. It's always wonderful for me personally to be able to learn from them, but also to be able to support and promote the good work that they're doing. Despite all the diverse topics, there's always something to talk about in terms of sustainability, the balance of people 
planet and profit. So it's also interesting talking of diversity and to see how varied all of you are who have signed up for this SDG seminar today. It's so wonderful to see uh, people from different industries. We have consultants, we have educators, we have people working freelance. We have people that describe themselves as housewives and students, um, as well as entrepreneurs, farmers, community builders, and big business uh, people, as well as tourism industry. So you're such a diverse group who has joined today. And in your registration, you chose very similar top three topics. So it's wonderful to see that there is some commonality even across the different uh, industries where you come from. So just to start with some basics, because that was one of the top three things you wanted me to talk about. Uh, sustainability and SDGs, I often uh, talk about with people, planet, and profit in balance. If you are only thinking about profit, you will have big problems for people and planet, and only thinking about people and not the planet, then you're going to suffer with people in the end as well, right? So trying to find a balance between people, planet, and profit is always the aim of sustainability. And SDGs, of course, means Sustainable Development Goals. So I think when you look at the SDGs, there are so many tangents of people, planet, profit, and balance that you can also think about. Uh, so when we're looking at culture, uh, would you want to live in or would you want to live a life without culture? I think most of us would say definitely not. Culture is very important for quality of life. Culture is also connected to planet because a lot of the solutions that we see, especially in Japan, traditional Japanese architecture, traditional Japanese uh, styles from the Edo Jidai, the Edo era, are more sustainable than what we've started to use now. So in terms of people and planet, there is a good balance there, but to make sure that it continues, we also need to make sure that there is income and funding. So the profits are also very important. Uh, looking at diversity and inclusion is another example. So including everyone, in society, whether they have a disability that they're living with, whether they're old, young, if you have a focus on diversity and inclusion, your economy is going to be stronger because you have a stronger workforce. Your uh, people quality of life is better because you have more people representing society who are actively involved in your business and um, planet because we need people who are happy to take care of the planet in many ways too, right? So I think with every SDG, with every topic, we can always find connections between people, planet, and profit. Uh, even public transportation, renewable energy, farming, and all the SDG goals, definitely. All right. 
Now, because this is a seminar and I was teaching and enjoyed teaching for many years, I can't not ask you to engage with me a little bit. Um, so this is challenge number one for this seminar today, looking at these pictures, what is a common key word for sustainability, which you can see represented in all of these pictures. I'll give you one minute, try to write your answer in the comments in Japanese or English. Everybody write your answers. <laughs> this is fun, right? Okay, so yes, Madi, uh, Manami, you got it. And I see other people with the correct answer. Reusable. So the key, of course, there's many parts of sustainability in each picture, but one of the key concepts of sustainability is reusable. Now, isn't it funny to think about, of course, reusable bottles is what everybody thinks of at first, right? Reusable uh, hashi, reusable chopsticks, uh, reusable cutlery, but less common to think about reusable as a hotel room. Now, when you go to a really nice hotel, you don't expect them to throw away everything after you stay, right? You expect everything to be high quality, but everything to be reused, of course clean, but reused. Um, also looking at the top left, I love these reusable, beautiful bento boxes. You don't see them enough in Japan, right? But let's use these in high quality restaurants that do takeout. Why not? They can bring them back. When I first came to Japan, I loved to see the delivery drivers before, way before Uber Eats and Walt and all these companies. The restaurants would deliver all of their food in reusable bowls and reusable bento boxes like this. It used to happen even 25 years ago, 30 years ago in Japan. So why not bring that back? It's such a great solution. We already know works. Uh, in the next picture, this is Muji. Muji has started, uh, they're about to launch a big zero waste shop in Hiroshima coming this year. And this is a reusable water filling station. There are not enough of these in Japan, right? If you're trying not to buy single use pet bottles, it's actually really difficult in Japan. So it's nice to see. Now the sake industry, when you buy the biggest bottle, those can be reused, but unfortunately, smaller bottles cannot. So they don't have the washing system for the smaller bottles anymore, apparently. But if you buy the big bottles, it can be reused. But also in the picture, you can see the reusable ceramic sake containers that you can heat up or the, the wooden uh, masu 
boxes, which you can drink from. Uh, retro Coca-Cola machines, they're fantastic, right? Not many of them anymore, but you can reuse those bottles. So instead of the idea of recycling, destroying it and making it new, reusing is always a more sustainable choice. All right, next picture. So let's have a, a look at how Japan and how Japanese consumers compare to other places and other surveys done in other countries. Um, this survey was done by Fabric, a really interesting consulting company in Tokyo. I had the pleasure of talking with James Hollow about this on my talk show series. And he found a very low engagement in sustainability in his surveys with Japanese consumers. So you can see on the left side, there is a very high answer, a high level of answers for low engagement. That means when people are buying products or services in Japan, they're not really thinking about, is this product or service better for people or planet? They're mostly only thinking about the quality and the price. Um, he did the survey in 2019. So looking at the right side, he did the survey in 2019 and again in 2021, and he did see some improvement that more people were uh, starting to think more about brands that are doing good, uh, brands that are more sustainable. So even though it wasn't a big effect, he did see some progress. Looking at the travel industry is in just in interesting. You don't really think traditionally of the travel industry as being very sustainability minded because uh, using airplanes is a very wasteful and not sustainable way to travel. But if you travel to another country and you plan to stay longer, you could make a more sustainable trip. I'm very passionate about travel industry because I grew up in Hawaii and I've seen the importance of balancing locals and visitors, but also I really feel travel is important for us to have some point of commonality and common understanding across cultures and across countries. I think without travel, uh, we would have more uh, misunderstandings across borders, definitely. It's a way to share our culture and share our ideas and creativity. So there's a lot of positive things about sustainability in travel. Uh, looking at the very top, Argentina. 62% of people in Argentina were talking about making more sustainable choices in travel, whether they could actually book a more sustainable tour or not, we don't know, but they were looking for it, 62%. Now Japan is at the bottom of the list at 20%. So really not many people thinking about sustainability when booking travel. Now looking at Scandinavia on the right, we always compare everything to Scandinavia in terms of our ideal place, right? I was listening to an Australian uh, professional body surfer talking about going and studying in Sweden and how he felt he was just on the same wavelength with everybody. Everything he'd been fighting so hard to get 
even the idea of in Australia, when he talked to people in Sweden, they're like, of course we have solar panels. Of course everyone learns three languages in elementary school, right? So every ideal aim in Scandinavia, uh, in most countries, they're already doing for many years in Scandinavia. And here again, we see that almost 80% of people in many parts of Scandinavia are making very sustainable choices and really activate activists when they are consumers. So very interesting. Uh, so behavioral science teaches us that when we feel positive about our actions, we are more motivated to continue that act. So I think this is really true, right? If you know about climate change, if you know about sustainability, and then you make a choice that you feel is more sustainable, that makes you feel good about it. And then you're more likely to do it again. So how, if we are a business who has a sustainable product, how can we communicate that that sustainable product will make you feel good? It's not just mendoxide to change from what you're used to, but there is added value to your life that you will enjoy, is the idea. Um, here's some more data about plastic bottles and packaging, which is one of the big hurdles in Japan. And 47.4% of total plastic waste in Japan comes from bottles and packaging. So if we just think about ways that we can reduce single-use plastic bottles and single-use plastic packaging, that's almost half of the problem in Japan. So it's quite surprising. And again, the refillable water bottle station. All right, challenge number two. Are you ready? Ready to type your answers? Um, all of these innovative ideas fit with what I would choose as one of the SDGs. So if you had to choose one of the SDGs that you think would fit all of these innovative, unique ideas, which SDG would you choose? So choose a number from one to 17. I'll give you a minute. It's so nice to see that a high school student got that right. 13, good job. So 13, I like to think of as the innovative SDG. Now it, it says climate action, but I think really it's more than that. It's like a SDG action, unique action. Um, so let me introduce these unique actions that I'm so excited about happening in Japan. So on the left, we have 
a company that I'm going to introduce a little bit more later. It's a famous, beautiful, traditional, long-running um, hapoen. Uh, Japanese traditional garden in the center of Tokyo. And I had a chance to talk with them and they are doing so much for sustainability and diversity in their staff uh, hiring. They have international staff. They have a lot of women who are spokespeople for the business and in positions of power. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about how good they are at communicating their SDGs in a later slide. Um, but this is one of their unique products. This was an original design of a movable tea house. Now they have a beautiful Japanese garden. So they created uh, a movable tea house that they could take to events around Japan and around the world. So when they are trying to introduce Japanese culture, they have these beautiful Japanese carpenters who came in and created and designed this traditional style, gorgeous tea house. And it's all using Japanese traditional techniques with beautiful joinery of the wood and uh, the tatami mats and lots of great things about Japanese culture. So that was so nice to see. Um, in the top middle, this is Ushio Chocolate, a Hiroshima-based uh, vegan chocolate company that hires a lot of women and has women um, at all levels of policymaking and activities in the business. They had a wonderful factory in Hiroshima Airport. Unfortunately, they closed recently. Um, but all the boxes are also designed by women. So there is such a focus on promoting women in all parts of their business. They also do direct trade uh, with cashew growers, coffee growers, and chocolate bean uh, around the world. So they're very active in that way. Let's go down to Veggie Sheets. Have you ever heard of this company? I love this innovation. Uh, one of the big hurdles for sustainability in Japan is about food waste. And this uh, innovative uh, company in, I can't remember where they are, outside Tokyo, I think. Um, he is collecting all the vegetables that maybe were ugly or didn't sell in the stores. And he's mashing them up and making them into vegetable sheets which you can use to wrap like sushi or to have as containers that you could eat your salad out of and then eat the container. So it has a lot of interesting uh, variety of uses that you could do and it's using food waste. Um, you can keep it for a long time. So that aspect of long shelf life is also very attractive. And uh, yeah, very exciting. I, found, I saw that on NHK. And uh, the top going through the Tori gates, this is a Hiroshima initiative. That is a reusable bento box she's carrying as part of the tour. They have reusable bentos in there. Uh, all the food is vegan, so plant-based food. All local growers for the vegetables, a local bento shop was collaborating with them to make it. Um, they also worked hard on the trails that they use for their tour. They worked with local people to clean it up so that local people can enjoy these trails as well. So giving back to the community. 
such innovation and that connection to people and planet is really fantastic. The bottom right, I'm really excited about this one. Um, we know that coffee has a very high carbon uh, impact on the planet, right? And we know that uh, coffee growers around the world, it's, it's usually because of climate change, it's becoming more difficult, more expensive to grow coffee. Uh, not only doing fair trade like the chocolate company is doing and making sure that the growers have a good price, but also thinking about what local product in Japan do we have enough of that we could use and create a kind of blend to have less caffeine with coffee beans, roasted rice. So he has created rice coffee. It's a really innovative idea. And I tried it. I like it. It's great. I hope it really takes off. Um, that's Yuya Roast Coffee in Hiroshima. He was supposed to be our speaker this month. Unfortunately, we had to cancel the in-person event because we've had a lot of cases of coronavirus. Um, but I hope to have him online on my show soon. All right, next. Uh, these are businesses that have recently been on my radar because uh, they are so good at showing you when you walk into the store, immediately you know this is a sustainable business. And I think this is a big hurdle for a lot of companies around Japan and around the world. Maybe they have a great CSR page, great SDG page, everybody's wearing the badge. But when you look at the business, when you look at the staff, when you go into their company, do you see it? Do you see it in action? So I'm so happy to see that these businesses are showing so clearly in their communication to the customer through action. Um, so Eon Mall is now doing a big collaborative project with TerraCycle uh, to offer reusable product containers for many of the most popular products. So that is launching in Tokyo now, and it's about to go all across Japan. Uh, Eon Mall also impresses me in how they have a renewable energy on most of their facilities. Um, they have electric car charging at their facilities. Uh, they're, they're trying to do a lot. Uh, in terms of people and planet. So it's really nice to see this big collaboration with TerraCycle, it's very exciting. Muji as well, like I mentioned before, uh, in Tokyo, they have a Kintsugi repair. So you can bring your old pottery and you can do the traditional Japanese gold repair of your pottery. <laughs> I don't think it's cheap, but I think it's very high quality and it's so nice to see that practice being perpetuated. Uh, in the Hiroshima area, we have a really big, uh, exciting project coming from Muji, uh, Zero Waste Shop, uh, where they're gonna sell products in bulk bins. You can bring your own container. They also are going to be collecting old clothes to repurpose in different ways. They're going to have repair stations. So I'm very excited about the work Muji is doing. Uh, going to the middle, Koko's Ichibana Curry Shop. They have multilingual menus. I've never seen this in any other shop in Japan. 
Um, and they also have a dedicated full page of plant-based options. Plant-based options are more sustainable. Uh, meat and fish has a very high carbon and also a human toll, social impact toll for the meat industry and fishing industry as well. So it's nice to see a company which is across Japan, anybody can access and they have a lot of plant-based options. Hopefully it's not only vegans and vegetarians trying it, it's everybody who can eat it. Um, Mosburger also, always impressed by Mosburger. It's a little bit more expensive, but they are very transparent about where they source their local vegetables. At the front of their shops, uh, they have a signboard that says today's lettuce comes from Fukuoka. Today's onion comes from Hokkaido, right? So it tells you every day where their vegetables come from. Um, that kind of transparency is really wonderful to see in action. Also, Mosburger recently just brought back the green burger, which is all a plant-based burger. So it's nice to see. Uh, Mosburger and Kokozichibana also, if you are eating in the shop, most of your containers are reusable. That's another really nice feature to see, not single-use plastics. Uh, top right, this is not a typical Japanese company, but this lush company. Um, everything made in Lush Japan is made in Japan by Japanese staff. Um, they have really been impressive with no packaging. They stopped plastic bags a few years ago. They also, in the UK shop, I noticed this is the first time, they were encouraging people to use furoshiki. Furoshiki in England, and they call it not wraps, right? So they adopted a traditional Japanese sustainable habit before we saw it in Japan. And it's just so impressive to see that. They also really empower women. They have a lot of women in the business at all levels. And whenever you talk to any level of staff, everybody knows everything. So they're training their staff really well. Um, Second Street, I think any reuse of old products kind of chain like Second Street or Book Off that we see around Japan, they're doing a really big service instead of just destroying the clothes or breaking it down into fabrics and making something new. They are just cleaning it and reselling it, making a business from reusing trash. So it's so wonderful to see. Also, uh, one point that's interesting, all of these businesses have a global presence and they are extending these ideas around other parts of Asia and other parts of the world, which I think is a really positive brand for their business, of course, but also for Japan. This helps to give a positive image about Japan in general for buying Japanese products and for visiting Japan as a visitor in the future. All right, almost done. <laughs> Are you getting tired? Are you okay? Um, so this is a company I mentioned earlier. This is a Tokyo-based uh, beautiful traditional Japanese gardens. They have event spaces. It's a very long-running traditional company. So they've been around for over 200 years, I want to say. I have to rewatch the video. Sorry. 
Um, so they are so clear about how they are using SDGs for every part of their business. When you go to their website, you can see this information in English and Japanese. So they have that dual communication strategy. How many uh, websites in Japan do you go to and you see all this great information only in Japanese? and nothing, or just one simplified page in English, or vice versa, you see all this great information in English and not enough Japanese. So having that total bilingual experience is really interesting and wonderful to see. Um, they also connect SDGs even for products that they are importing. So for example, coffee. They make sure that their coffee beans are coming through fair trade or direct trade agreements. They're encouraging farming. They're teaching their staff how to grow their own food. They're encouraging people to try vegan vegetarian foods uh, in their restaurants. Uh, this is one of the few places when I talk to their staff and they said, you don't have to make a reservation for vegan vegetarian in advance. If you come, you want vegan? We can do it. We can do it off the menu. So that kind of flexibility as well shows a real confidence in the information. And I think that is a really impressive thing to see. Uh, they are also really um, promoting Japanese culture. So like I said, they're promoting the tea ceremony, uh, movable tea house. Um, they have events which also promote festivals or culture from different areas of Japan. Um, they were one of the first businesses that I saw not using plastic straws anymore. Uh, they were changing all their paper uh, materials into recycled paper pulp or bamboo. So, so many different initiatives at work. It's really impressive to see. All right, challenge. You ready for your next challenge? Yay! <laughs> challenge sustainable keyword number three from these pictures. What is the keyword for sustainability that you see common? Give you a minute. No guesses. No guesses? <laughs> this is a hard one, I guess. Um, okay, so let me describe the pictures and then maybe you can get it. All right, so in the top left, you have bulk buying situation. So you could bring your own container and refill and buy by weight or bulk. Uh, bottom left, you have uh, composting taking the food scraps, 
kitchen scraps and making it into something new instead of putting it in your garbage. Uh, top, middle, you have, I think they're cute, but some people might say these are ugly vegetables. I would buy these. They're so cute. Look, they're hugging. Um, so ugly vegetables. Uh, bottom, middle, we have a repair shop section of Patagonia, another very sustainable business around the world. So instead of having to buy a new jacket, if you have a tear, you can take it into their shop and repair it in the shop. And if you don't know how, they have staff there who can help you. Top right. Uh, this is the town. I don't want to give away the keywords. I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully. Uh, this is the town of Kamikatsu in Tokushima. And you can see this new facility that they have built and all of the, the doors and the windows and uh, everything has been taken from derelict abandoned school buildings and houses around the area and reused here. They are also using wood from the local industry, which has very little value at the moment. Uh, they have too much sugi. So one uh, tree of sugi, you can only sell it for a thousand yen, $10. Can you believe that? Um, so they have created demand for that wood, which doesn't have much financial value um, to help the local industry. And the bottom is furoshiki. We were talking about that with uh, Lush and how they're using that for a knot system. I don't see the word, anybody. Yeah, zero waste. Zero waste, right? So you don't often think of composting as zero waste, but if you're reusing your kitchen scraps instead of putting it in the garbage, you're creating more quality soil and reusing that, you're not wasting it, right? Zero waste. If you're bringing your own container and refilling, that's also zero waste. Kamikatsu is famous as the zero waste town. That was very hard not to say. <laughs> I've been to Kamikatsu a few times, always inspiring, always something to learn there, but still um, not quite like going to Scandinavia yet. So uh, previously I said, when you go to Scandinavia and you feel like everybody's on the higher level there, well, everybody's trying. And Kamikatsu has been working so hard on zero waste initiatives since 2003. And they are definitely the best most sustainable destination in Japan, but still there's some shops that don't want to change. Some shops that use uh, plastic, plastic bags, you know, and then you've got uh, so much motivation and enthusiasm to do zero waste, but it's still a hurdle. You still have to live in reality and choose from what options you have available, right? All right, this is the last slide, I believe, almost there. Uh, so one thing to remember, I really like this from Google. Uh, they've done some research. Google has been changing a lot in terms of how they are showing the consumer 
which businesses are more sustainable. Just at the end of last year, they also started uh, launching uh, an icon to show you which hotels have a certification which is more sustainable. So Google as a search engine, as an information source is really changing. Um, and this survey from Google, their conclusion was people don't expect brands to become perfect stewards overnight, but they want to learn about what you're doing to improve sustainability now. I think that's great, isn't it? Sustainability is a journey. It's not a destination. Uh, sustainability is a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know, all of these images. Um, as long as you're trying, as long as you're being honest about trying to make better choices, your consumers hopefully will see that and you'll be able to be honest about that with your consumers and being honest, especially now when it's so easy to check, being honest is really important. Um, this next one is from Delote, a consulting company around the world, really big company. And this was a survey they did in UK. The top three reasons why consumers haven't adopted a more sustainable lifestyle is really interesting. 22% said, I'm just not interested. 16% uh, said it's too expensive. And 15% said, I don't have enough information. So I think this would be similar to consumers in Japan. It would be really interesting to do a survey with these same questions. Um, and where do you fit? Where would you say the reasons are that you might not choose a more sustainable option? Is it too expensive? Are you not really interested? Or do you not have enough information? Right? So it's, it's good to understand where you are, where your business is, and then you can move forward being honest that way. I'd like to end uh, with some positive data about Japan. So the, James Hollow and his business Fabric in Tokyo, uh, they found a very high percentage of people had low engagement, meaning they weren't really thinking about sustainability. But the 4% of people that they surveyed who had high engagement are very interesting in how they behave. Um, I do what is right for the environment even when it costs more or takes more time, more than 50% of that group. I will pay more for a sustainable product, 40% of that group. I feel proud when I buy sustainable products even if nobody else knows. I love that one, right? So it's not like I'm bragging to all my friends on social media. It's just, just for me, 66%. Amazing. I think about environmental social impact before buying products, 56%. I would pay more for eco-friendly packaging, 57%. I research about environmental social impact before buying products, 42%. I would switch brand to avoid excessive packaging, 60%. Really impressive. And I think very encouraging. And this group of high engagement people, even though it was only 4%, I think this is the group which is increasing. And this is the group which is passionate about it 
and talking about it and being an influencer and mentor to other people, introducing the brands they love. So I think we will see this group grow more and more in Japan as people start sharing good strategies and options. It will just spread more and more. I'm an optimist. I have to be, but I, I do believe that. So that is the end of the main presentation part today. I wanted to leave time um, to answer some of your questions or comments. Uh, I am shifting more from travel as there's no travelers right now, uh, shifting more to a balance between helping travel businesses uh, to communicate more to international residents who might be traveling, but also trying to assist businesses to help communicate your brand a little bit more clearly um, what you're trying to do and think about what options you have. So today was a very general um, ideas about sustainability for many different industries, but if you want a specific industry specific or business specific uh, seminar like this, I would love to work with you, so please get in touch. Uh, thank you very much. Any questions? I hope some. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jackie. It's great. Um, if you have a question, you can turn on your mic or you can write the question here in the comments. I'm just scrolling through. I guess, Joy, if I could. Yeah, go ahead. Donna Weeks from Tokyo. And I don't want to take up time of people who are in business who might want to talk to you because I'm uh, just an educator. But I think your last comments there about how we influence, how we well, basically educate people to do that is, um, you know, my university here has taken on um, sort of the SDGs branding, took it up about three years ago, and now we're doing it. Uh, in practice so we teach first years from first year from first year classes they have uh lessons in sdgs and we've got a few projects that go around and so on so and you know my seminars also um, speak a lot to sdgs particularly when i was teaching peace studies or i as a, i'm a political scientist and, and in international relations and so on so there's a connection there with human security that that we sort of draw on and, and, you know, to make it a more international thing. But I think certainly you, you can start to see the change with students in the class. I've noticed in my seminars, if they came to class with, you know, their, their tea in a, a, a pet bottle, uh, by the end of semester, they were bringing their own bottle and, and uh, they talk about bringing, um, you know, using their own shopping bags rather than plastic bags. So I think you're right about that 4%. It's, it's that it's probably increasing um, and, and hopefully, you know, even though I'm not a business, but, but hopefully from the education sector, as, as these students go out and, and start consuming in, in more ways that will then have a flow on effect, I guess, to, to businesses and, and influence business in that way too. So it would be good for business to be able to, you know, acknowledge that. Um, just comment really, and, and thank you. Um, you know, yeah. I've, I've been thank you time. so much for that. And I, I noticed, your, 
thing of your shows and I, I think oh, uh, I draw a lot from them and uh, you know for all you've been doing particularly I mean in a way this is one of the good things of COVID isn't it because <laughs> you got this series off and running and it's just been a fabulous series to to follow over the the last couple of years so thank you I, I agree with Jackie I mean I think your your leadership in this area is is fantastic thank you oh thank you so much I appreciate your support so much uh, people like you keep me going um, I noticed that too, like you said, with the students, and I was teaching a course um, at a nearby university on nature and the environment, and they were first year students, and even though it was just a one semester course, um, by the end, their comments and presentations back about, I had never heard of these issues before. I had never even seen an echo label, like something that simple. I asked them to look at products in the in the local stores and to report back on what eco labels they were seeing uh, more sustainable fisheries, for example, and uh, then a few of the comments were well now that I know i'm definitely looking. And so that gave me so much hope that wow if even a first year university student can really appreciate knowing and then see things differently that gives me hope right yeah thank you so much keiko any other questions in japanese that you noticed uh muddy you have a question how you see the balance between consumer awareness against companies being criticized about greenwashing do you see a difference overseas and japan you know, I think, oh, Mari, thank you for the question. That's wonderful. Um, I, I think there's definitely a huge risk with greenwashing, even in Japan. But I would say Japanese companies can probably still get away with it a little bit longer because I don't think there's that level of awareness yet. Um, but it's easy to check, even in Japanese, I think it's easy to check on that claim that you are doing more than you actually are. And I think, especially younger generations, I think they're very much like me, looking and observing. And if they don't see it in action, they are very skeptical. So I think there's always a big risk when you're trying to kind of trick someone I don't see how that would pay off in the long term. If a business is only thinking about short-term profits, they'll get away with it probably. But if they're thinking of being successful over the long term, it's a horrible strategy, right? Doesn't thank make you. sense. Yes, thank you. I just wanted to ask because especially um, with your examples, it's 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 fascinating. There's some of the examples that I didn't know and it's so, um, it's so great. On the other hand, um, especially when it comes to the consumers, again, like you were mentioning, a lot of uh, either consumers or uh, even the, a lot of the society in general um, don't sometimes prioritize this issue. Although last year was a huge um, sustainability, um, there like a trend, but then um, uh, yes, but on the other hand, I was like, is it more um, vulnerable to like greenwashing or just because especially my European friends, they they are aware they they know so much about Nestle more than I do and um, it's it's um, the conversation goes a little bit more deeper but then 
um, sometimes, especially in Japan, it's very hard to have that kind of um, it, it, like even a knowledge exchange. Like, what do you know? What, like, I've heard about this. Do you it, it, have you heard about that? And um, so that's one of the why I asked the question. Thank you for your answer. Thank you for the lovely presentation. It was really insightful. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, thank you so much. Great question. Yeah, honesty and showing that you are making strides in the right direction. I think the consumer is really aware and can easily find out if you're not, not doing what you say or saying what you do. All right, any other questions? I'm scrolling through. Anybody see another question? Well, there's one that's just come up about sustainable tour in Hiroshima. Oh, okay. Do you have any idea of sustainable tour in Hiroshima, like visiting some place which is taking action for sustainability? Uh, thank you, Nishio-san, that's a great question. Um, definitely Asa Geshiki. I interviewed them the other day and I showed the picture of them using the reusable bento box that they designed and using local bento company and creating plant-based bento, uh, all reusable zero waste system and uh, working with local communities to rebuild the path so that the local people can also appreciate the part of tourism that feeds back to the community. Um, so I think that's a great example of a Hiroshima company. I'm also really excited about the Muji company opening. I think when a big company like that comes to somewhere like Hiroshima where there isn't that much happening in terms of zero waste or something, and they open a big initiative like that, I'm really interested to see how they are going to educate the com consumer in a way that the, uh, the consumer feels there's value, not just inconvenience. Because teaching someone how to use the zero waste system like bulk buying, it's confusing. Have you ever tried anybody? So I first saw it in California and I was so excited to try it, but I had no idea how it worked, you know, and I had my containers and I was standing there going, what do I do, right? So there's a huge hurdle in terms of educating the consumer so that they can value it, right? Because it's a brand new system. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see how they educate the consumer and whether the consumer chooses to accept it or not, because it, it might be the only business in Hiroshima that's doing that. So I hope they don't give up. I hope enough people try, even though it's new and difficult. And uh, yeah, excited to see. Two more minutes. Any final words, final questions? <laughs> I really appreciate all of you guys joining today. I know you're very busy in your working uh, days. The, January is a crazy month for so many people. It's so wonderful you could join. Um, I will be sending out a survey uh, to the emails that you registered with and a link to the video. So if you would like to watch the video again, anytime it'll be available for the next two weeks, um, feel free.
you're more than welcome to do that. All right. Last minute, any final words? Big thank you to my colleague, Keiko Krisumangam. Thank you so much, Keiko, for all the great work in the chat. I would also love to see in your feedback if you, if you found this style okay for following the information. Was it okay having it in the chat or would you prefer uh, translation on a different channel or translation one after the other? So we're, we are also trying to improve and develop over time. Um, so looking forward to seeing your comments and questions or feedback uh, in the survey. And now at three o'clock. So thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. And hopefully we can do this again sometime.